Welcome to the Village Church Podcast. Thanks for stopping by and taking the time to listen. We've prayed that this podcast channel blesses and encourages the Village family. So lean in with an open heart, eager to grow, and enjoy the episode. Great. So we've been looking at a series entitled... Ah, right. So three or four of you remember where we are, hey? Was that you, Chris, shouting spiritual disciplines? Good on you, mate. Uh, yeah, so we're in part five. It's a seven-part series in, around spiritual disciplines, and uh, I'm, I'm afraid I might get it wrong, so I'm not going to try and remember the previous four. But um, just a good reminder that when it comes to spiritual disciplines, they themselves are not the goal. In other words, they are not a, an end to themselves, but rather a means to an end. In other words, that end is what we're aiming for, which is to know God, to grow in God, to enjoy God, to become more like Christ in every way. And spiritual disciplines in some ways are the path for that to take place, for our own growth and our development as believers. All right. And so I I did a little formula when I was here the first week when I spoke around confession and repentance. And I said, you know, so often we, we hear about delighting yourself in the Lord, God giving us the desires of our heart and all of those things. And we want to live in a place of delight. But in order to get to delight, there has to be desire. Desire for God, desire for his kingdom, desire for his ways. But in order to get the desire, it often starts with the discipline. And so there is this progression that takes place. It's out of our disciplines, spiritual disciplines, that desire for God, for his kingdom, for his will and his ways begins to grow And before we know it, we're living in the delight of serving him, following him, and doing what he's called us to do. And many of us want the delight, rightfully so. And we long for the desire, but we're not always willing to put the disciplines in. And so this series on spiritual disciplines is in some ways to give you handles, to be able to give you an understanding, not necessarily how to do it. Hopefully that comes through because it may be different for all of us, but in essence, the 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 essence of why we do what we do, all right? Great, so this morning we wanna look at unplugging from the noise of life. Unplugging from the noise of life. And so if we had to be more theological, it would be the discipline of silence and solitude. And again, let me say it's a discipline because it's so counterculture to the age that we live in, hey? So different. There is so much noise, so many interruptions, so many demands upon our lives that this practice of finding time to be silent and looking for solitude is something that we actually don't give our attention to. But I'm trusting this morning that'll change. eh? Okay. And so I've come to realize realize that if there is something that scares people, and I'd probably say most people, maybe not all people, but certainly a lot of people, if there's something that scares them or gets them out of their comfort zones, it's the sound of silence. I feel like I'm going to break into song here. Simon and Garfunkel classic, eh? The sound of silence. There we go. And so rather than the deafening sound of silence, what do we do is we fill our lives with noise, with crowds, with clatter, with entertainment. In fact, it was the late Ravi Zachariah who said, um, spoke of America being an idiotic culture entertaining itself to death. Now, he said it, not me. But I want to tell you there's some truth in that. Eh? 
we can entertain ourselves to death. And there's a whole variety of ways we do it. Why? Because we are masters of distraction. And as such, we don't like silence. Why? Because silence requires waiting. Silence requires patience. And let me tell you, most of us, and certainly I'm looking at myself, that doesn't come easily. We don't like waiting. We don't like to be necessarily patient. And most times we don't like silence. Why? Because it seems so unproductive. It seems, what am I achieving in the silence of this moment? Well, I hope this morning we'll see we actually achieve a lot in the things that God has for us. But also we don't like silence because it equates to being alone. And being alone is what terrifies most people. But again, I want to say silence is a necessary ingredient. It's a necessary practice or discipline for the Christian wanting to go on in their faith. You know, if we're going to fix our thoughts on Jesus, our, our apostle and high priest, as Hebrews 3, 1 says, well, you know what? They're going to have to be times where we are silent, where we practice this discipline of silence and solitude. Now, of course, we know that there are some incredible benefits that come from being silent and from silence, eh? from being alone, incredible benefits. But just like there are benefits with being with others, being in community, we're experiencing that this morning, we experienced that yesterday. Wonderful, wonderful benefits. Why? Because we were made for rhythms and silence, for solitude and community. And so it's unhealthy to always want people around you. But in the same way, it's equally unhealthy to always want to be on your own. God wants us to experience and practice both. Why? Because he's made us for cycles and for routines. For routines, or sorry, cycles and seasons, just as he's, he's made us for routines and rhythms. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book Life Together, says this, Let him who cannot be alone beware of community. Let him who is not in community beware of being alone. And so both are important. Eh? But we tend to shy away from the quietness and the silence and the opportunity to be alone. But listen to God's invitation to us here in Isaiah 30 verse 15. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. And it's amazing how God connects that quietness to rest and to strength and to finding a home in him. But it ends with this line, but you would have none of it. And what they wouldn't want any of it then is the same for us of today. True for us of today, but we want none of it. We want the noise, we want the clamor, we want the clutter, we want the busyness. Because it makes us feel needed and wanted. Eh? You know, 400 years before Jesus, Plato lamented that most people live a distracted existence led in circles by the songs and sounds of society. In fact, earlier than that, David expressed the need for silence by saying, I have stilled and quietened my soul. Like a weaned child 
is my soul within me. Psalm 130 verse, 131 verse two. But unlike David, let's be honest, we struggle to unplug from the noise and the busyness of life. Eh? Be it the radio in the car, maybe even on your way here this morning, or be it the device in your hand, or the cacophony of voices that just bombard our senses day in and day out. Truth is, the competition for our attention is ruthless, is ruthless. Not to mention the addiction that we have to noise. But here's the thing, to know God, to know God and to hear his voice, which on many occasions is a gentle whisper, as Elijah describes it in 1 Kings 19. It's a gentle whisper. You know what? We need to be quiet and we need to celebrate silence. As much as Liam spoke about celebration as a discipline, celebrating silence is equally a discipline. And so in some ways, we really do need to create space in our day, in our lives, for this thing called boredom. <laughs> create space for it. Because it's not all bad. Eh? You know, so the times I look back on my own life when I've heard God the clearest about things have been the times when I've been lying in the bath, taking a shower, or doing something on my own without noise, without distraction, just an opportunity to think, not even getting into the bath thinking, God, what do you want to say? But in the stillness, hearing God speak into my heart because I've given him an opportunity to do it. So the question then is, well, how? How do we practice this discipline of silence? Well, in the, in the most simplest way is stop pumping up the volume in your life and start turning it down. <laughs> start turning it down. Know what it means to unplug from the noise of life. Some examples. Maybe next time you're in the car, driving on your own, and I had to practice this because I knew I was going to speak it, about it this morning. Turn the radio off. Now for me, often the radio is my opportunity to catch up on the news or whatever when I'm driving. But I thought, let me try this. I can't talk about something I haven't tried. And I turned it off. It was actually a good thing. Left me with my own thoughts instead of the thoughts of someone else and the agenda and the narrative that they're wanting to push down my throat. And it might not be the radio, maybe even the, the podcast, the Christian podcast. Maybe it's even Christian worship music playing. Switch it off. It's an opportunity to be still, huh? What about for you finding some time this week just to take a walk alone? <laughs> Somewhere quiet. Again, without your earpods. Just take a walk. Whether you're expecting God to speak or not, just enjoy the silence of the moment and see what happens. Or maybe it's to get up early and watch the sun rise, except for this morning. It did rise, we just can't see it. But get up early when no one else is around. Why? Because quiet abounds when people sleep. Eh? Or maybe it's just spending a few moments just listening to the silence. 
Letting your soul begin to thaw as you prepare yourself for the day. But do whatever you have to do to create external quiet in order to cultivate internal quiet. What David refers to as a still soul. Do whatever you can and reap the benefits of that. But without silence, there can be no solitude. And without solitude, and by solitude I'm talking about time alone with the Lord, away from noise and distractions and people and busyness. But without that, let me tell you, you'll never grow and go on in your faith. Never. It was Blaise Pascal who said all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. <laughs> it's profound, eh? All of humanity's problems. I would have put it down to a number of other things. But he says stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. And that's why I do believe that solitude is one of the most important disciplines of the Christian faith. And yet it's one we too readily neglect. Why? Because we're always so rushed. We're always so busy. It was Richard Foster who said, hurry is not of the devil. It is the devil. That's worth remembering, yeah? Now, Jesus is our perfect example when it comes to unplugging from the noise and the busyness of life. And so his pattern, and you see it throughout Scripture, was to retreat and re-enter. Retreat from the chaos and the busyness of life and of ministry, and then to re-enter into the call and the mission to which he is called. It's the pattern we see. We see it in Mark chapter 1. You read how it says his fame spread everywhere. And it goes on to say how the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various, uh, various diseases. One's got to say Jesus was super busy. Huh? He was very needed that the whole town came to his door. But here's the thing, he knew when to retreat to have time with his father. And you read that a bit further on in verse 35 of Mark chapter 1. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. If you keep reading the story, the disciples then go and look for him. And when they eventually find him, they say, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus' reply was, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Verse 38. And can I say in the same way, this practice of retreating and returning has to become the habit of our lives. And the reason we're slow to retreat is because we like to be busy. And we like to be busy. Why? Because it makes us feel needed, wanted, maybe even important. But here's the thing. Jesus was needed, but he didn't allow the needs to distract him from his primary need, 
which was time with his father, alone. And so for Jesus, the solitary place became his sacred space, vital and necessary. We see another example of this in Luke chapter 5, verse 15. It says, yet news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to heal, uh, to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But then you see this word, but. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In the midst of so much need, the midst of people wanting him, desperate for him, he withdrew so that he could be alone with his father. And I want to say, guys, that has to be our habit. eh? It's exactly what we need to do. But here it is again. Most of us get our self-worth from being busy. But we end up being busy with the wrong thing. (laughs) It's not God's way. Our self-worth, of course, comes from being with the Father. Because it's there in his presence that we're encouraged, that we strengthen, that we built up. Nowhere else but in his presence. James chapter 4, verse 8, the encouragement is draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's his promise. It's his commitment. And so it's like God's just waiting for us to take the initiative, for us to draw near to him so that he can draw near to us. For us to draw aside so that he can come close. I love what the psalmist says here in Psalm 73 verse 28. He says, but for me, or but as for me, it is good to be near God. It's good to be near God. To be close to him. To be in his presence. To take time out of my day to just enjoy him. Focus on him. Commune with him. Fellowship with him. But you know, not only does God wait for us to take the initiative, but he also invites us. He encourages us to come close. And the well-known passage of that is in uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, where Jesus says, come to me. Very simply, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, come. Come to me. And especially you who are weary and burdened. Why? Because I'll give you rest if you come. He says, take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And here's the key. You will find rest for your souls. In the midst of so much chaos, you'll find rest for your soul if you prepare to come along, come aside, draw near to me. And so the question is then as well, where do you find rest for your soul? (laughs) Well, there is only one place. And that's in his presence in that place of solitude, alone with him. Alone with him. And so the invitation this morning is an invitation from Jesus himself to say, come, but also to unplug. For you and I to unplug from the noise and to take hold of what Ecclesiastes 4 verse 6 says, take hold of a handful of quietness. Amazing. Just picture that. It's you taking hold 
of a handful of quietness. Not just expecting it or hoping that it'll come to you. You've got to go and look for it. Take hold of it. But it's there. It was George Matheson who said, God's voice demands the silence of the soul. Therefore, my soul, in order to hear from God, you must rest to receive your heart's desire. And so as we're looking at this pattern of Jesus, we see how he ordered his life so well. In um, Matthew chapter 14, after he hears of the beheading of his cousin, John the Baptist, it says here in verse 13 that when Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Had heard, got some terrible news, distressing news. His immediate response is to withdraw and go and be with his father. An opportunity for him to pour out his heart to the father, to hear the father's heart on this situation, to get the comfort that he needs. And then if you keep reading Matthew 14, you see how the crowds get wind of him going and they they follow him. And he ends up feeding 5,000. And then in verse 23, it says, after he dismissed the crowd, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And so Jesus needed, not just wanted, but he needed to retreat so that he could be refreshed before he returned to the mayhem of life and of ministry and everything else. There was a retreating to be refreshed, to return and to re-enter into that which God had for him. But here's the thing, most of us hate solitude. eh? We see it as punishment. Who wants to be in solitary confinement? eh? (laughs) There's so many negative connotations to it that we avoid it like the plague. I remember as a kid being punished once. On one occasion, I was sent to the bathroom for some indiscretion. And I remember pleading through the bathroom door after probably only 10 minutes, saying, Dad, I'd rather have the hiding I normally get than being locked away in this bathroom. But I think we carry something in that, in us with that, hey? Do whatever, get it over with so we can move on rather than the opportunity to sit and to think and to ponder, what did I do wrong? Why did I do that? I'll never do that again. Because, uh, yeah, possibly I still don't. Hence the thing is most of us despise solitude. We don't want to go near it. And so because we're opposed to it, what happens is we end up rushing from one thing to another. From one appointment to the next, one assignment, one activity, one challenge to the next, to the next, to the next, with ever, without ever taking time to stop, to think, to ponder, to reflect, or even to give thanks. We just move on. But you know what? Solitude is the place where you're able to hear the still, quiet voice of God. It's where we can be still and know that he is God. And so we don't retreat from the busyness of life as an end in itself. And to sit quietly in a room alone, as Pascal said, is not an achievement. 
It's an instrument. It's an opportunity for us to open our hearts and our lives to him who made us after his own image. What it does is it creates space for us to hear God, to know God, and to enjoy God. And without us creating that space, I want to tell you we can end up missing out on hearing the gentle whispers of God. Prevents us picking up the nuances of his Holy Spirit. The gentle prodding of his spirit for us to do things, to go there, say that. Because we're just so busy, so rushed. Now some may call this time a quiet time, highlighting the silence. Others may call it time alone with God, maybe emphasizing the solitude. But whatever you call it, These times of retreating to be near God are invaluable in guarding our hearts and our souls and our minds in a busy, crowded, and noisy world. Invaluable. Again, let me say, silence and solitude are not ideal states, but rhythms of life to steady us for a fruitful return to people and noise. We don't isolate ourselves from people and noise, but we need to retreat from it to get refreshed so that we can go and face it again. Not calling us to be hermits, not calling us to have a monastery mindset where we hide away from this dark, wicked world, not at all. It's this world that God's called us to. But we'll soon be overwhelmed by this world if we're not willing to retreat from this world. Get close to God so that we can re-enter the world with something of his heart, his agenda, and his purpose. Not only for our own lives, but for this world. And so my encouragement and my challenge to you this morning, as it is to me, is to allow silence and solitude to become your friend, eh? Don't fight it. Don't see it as an enemy. See it as a companion. See it as a friend. Because without it, you'll never truly know God. You'll never be able to hear God. And you'll miss out on enjoying God, the greatest pursuit of man, eh? to enjoy him. And so the discipline of silence and solace invites us to leave behind the, de- the competing demands of our outer world for our time alone to be with God. And so find time this week to hang the do not disturb sign around your life and learn what it means to truly be alone with God because there is huge, huge value in it. Should we pray? Lord, we again say that silence and solitude is not the goal of our life. It's not an end in itself, but it really is a means to an end. It's the path for us to know you, to enjoy you, to hear you, and to become more like you. 
And Father, we do live in such a busy, hectic world. And unless we are willing and prepared to take a handful of quietness, Lord, we're gonna be overwhelmed and continually bombarded by the noise. So Father, even through what we've heard this morning, I ask that you would help each one of us to be willing to unplug from the noise of life. And then Lord, when we do unplug, Father, we trust that not only would it be comforting and restful and restorative and refreshing and all of the others, but Lord, it would be an opportunity for us to so draw near to you, to hear your voice, to pick up your heart so that we can re-enter into the busyness of life with the courage we need, with the strength we need, with the resolve we need, but also, Lord, with the anointing that enables us to do what you've called us to do. So, Father, help us today. Help this not just to be another preach. God forbid it just be food for thought. But, Lord, we ask that you would enable us to practice something this morning. Because these disciplines are to be practiced. They're not just ideas or, or good intentions. But help us to lay hold of one thing and say, Lord, I want to give myself to this in order to practice this discipline of silence and solitude. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.